Welcome, everybody. We are back by popular demand, um, or no one's actually managed to switch us off yet. I'm not sure it is. My name's Robin Shepherd. Welcome to Barton Wilmore Uncut. We're in the Barton Wilmore basement, dusting off the recorder and uh, helping ourselves to the Barton Wilmore best bitter. Um, we're delighted to be joined by a great panel to talk about social justice today. Um, this is a third accidental season, or I'm not sure if um, you can call it accidental after three seasons, um, but here we are anyway. Um, so we are uncut, so be careful, usual health precautions apply, we are not accountable for what is said on this recording. It's an informal chat with some of the biggest um, and best of, of our panellists on some of the biggest and best of the issues we face in the development industry today. Um, and there I was enjoying a Barton Wilmore beer when two jolly nice chaps came over and, um, and bowled over and, and said, what does Barton Wilmore do about social justice? And I have to say I was a bit flummoxed. So here we are. We're going to try and fix that. We're going to have a good old prod around the issue and see what we should be doing differently. Um, at least we'll make a good start. And just to start some of the conversation going um, and the thoughts going, in the UK today, the panellists have told me there's 1.2 million households on social housing waiting lists. 1.2 million. It's 8 million people who experienced housing need. 125,000 children in temporary accommodation. And we call ourselves a civilised society? That's the question, I wonder. It's absolutely shocking. So to help us consider what we're going to do about it, I'm going to introduce the panel, or rather they're going to introduce themselves. Heather, please introduce yourself and where you come from, and then we'll go around the virtual room. Thanks. Um, I'm Heather Claridge. Um, I'm a planner and urban designer, uh, currently working for Glasgow City Council in the Local Development Plan uh, Principles Post. Um, but I've been involved with Secondment Street Architecture and Design Scotland, so I had a kind of national remit of thinking about place and good places. That's fantastic. And uh, hopefully you'll be disagreeing with uh, with some of our other panellists. Ryan, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Robin. My name's uh, Ryan Woolrich. I'm director of the Urban Institute at Harriet Watt University and research interests include social justice, uh, urban theory and uh, urban regeneration and placemaking. Kia. Hi, I'm Kia Hunter. Um, I'm a graduate planner uh, for Barton Wilmore uh, and I also predict particular interest in the social justice angle with relation to planning as well as design. And last but by no means least, Seth, you'll introduce yourself and where you come from. Hi, I'm Seth Tyler. I'm a graduate planner in the, the Kent office and yeah, that's me. Very good, very good. So we're here to, to talk about social justice, but I think before we start delving into the issue, I think we need to work out what it what it is. I think I've, I've relabeled it in my mind, social injustice, but 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 what is it? Heather, do you want to start with that one and then others can, can tell you you've got it right or wrong? Yeah, for me, um, social injustice or it, social justice is really about how we think about um, reducing the gap between the most well-off and the least well-off communities within our, our places um, and how we have interventions and take strategic approaches to address that. Ryan, is, is that right, your academic perspective? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that, Heather. Um, I think we, we, we talk about the three sort of pillars of social justice, and, and one of those is equity, which is exactly how Heather's sort of described it there, is the redistribution of resources to enable 
sort of the worse off um, so two areas typically of disadvantage or, or deprivation. So that's the equitable equity one, first pillar. The second one being democracy. So, you know, how do we involve people more in that decision making about places, you know, around the co-design co and, and co-production and bringing about change that impacts on, on local residents. And that third pillar, which um, is diversity, which is looking at, you know, how we can ensure that minority groups are, also heavily included in sort of urban regeneration efforts and you know one of age ethnicity um sexuality and uh, and place coming together as well in that in that discussion seth key you know graduates in in Barton Mormore, not not long out of ac academic um life as it were as you have you transitioned into uh, into private practice what what are what are you seeing in, in terms of social justice and how we do things well, I think uh, I obviously agree with, with Heather and Ryan in terms of their, their definitions of it. Um, I think it's also about how people negotiate space, um, you know, how people interact with the area around them and how they access things that they need. Um, it's also about the safety of them doing that, you know, relevant today, you know, women um, negotiating spaces safely. Um, and it's about how people use public transport and a, a whole other variety of factors. Yeah, I think um, as planners in the planning profession, we're best placed to to facilitate all these needs and produce them, help produce them, help facilitate them. Um, and we're lucky enough uh, at Barton Wilmore that we can do quite a lot of that in-house with urban designers, architects. Um, so we sort of help facilitate that um, and work collaboratively with, within us, but also with sort of the council and, and local bodies to try and meet that need, however that may be, given the circumstances that may arise. So is this the role of planners then, Is this, or is it a role of, of the whole development industry? I think it's the, I think it's the role of everybody who's got a remit in terms of the place investment. So actually widening it out, it's about, you know, health, education, um, transport, you know, built environment professionals, you know, public sector, private sector, third sector. I think there's really a whole kind of remit. I think one of the things when uh, I was hearing Seth talk, I was thinking it's definitely why I got into being a planner. You know, it was my core aim that you want to change the world. Um, but I think one of the things I've realised having now been 15 years in practice is that planners aren't as high up the food chain as you would like to think. So I think that's a real barrier in terms of us tackling social justice is that quite often we're maybe involved too late in projects or place investment. And I think um, if planners were higher up um, in terms of the hierarchy, that would help us um, tackle this. So Ryan, what do you think? I, I, I think planners are absolutely top of the hierarchy, but I'm probably biased. <laughs> yeah, I sense, um, I mean, the, the the sort of challenges that planners face, you know, in sort of, I suppose, delivering some of that change. And, you know, I think a lot of people go into planning because of that very strong moral obligation. You know, we want to do right for communities and we want to deliver sustainable, inclusive interventions. And um, the complexities of actually delivering that in practice can be, can be quite difficult. And so whilst I think it's a responsibility of a planner to deliver uh, social justice, I, um, you know, they have the responsibilities of, 
of um, making locational decisions and distributing resources that can impact on societies in, in different ways. So they're therefore profoundly concerned with sort of justice and, and distribution of resources. But at the same time, it's not the just only the responsibility of, of the planner. I think we've moved on a lot with our discussions of, you know, more um, sort of integrated working between sectors, you know, not just seeing this as the, as the responsibility of one individual. I think that's sort of quite almost a sort of myopic way of looking at sort of social justice in, in urban design and uh, urban planning as well. But they have a fundamental, a very valuable role to play in, in bringing communities together. So therefore, you know, I'm arriving at decisions that benefit communities, that, that they are in a position to, to deliver on that. But I'm a bit apprehensive about putting all the responsibility on planners to, to deliver this social justice. It's a fair point, but the whole of the planning system was was founded. We look back at our forefathers, our planning heroes, and you know the people who are dotted around in my room and um, on the walls, the people I look up to. Um, they they got it right. They 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 knew what it was all about and set up a planning system that was that was going to try and fix it. And here we are. We enter into the industry um, trying to trying to solve these issues, but something goes wrong. What is that? What's going wrong? Well, I think there's uh, a large conflict in in aim and in how we how we achieve what I think everyone um, agrees is is the common goal of making the world better. There's there's a conflict between developers who need to turn a profit. There's conflicts between councils and their planners who are who are stretched. And then there's a the challenge of interacting with communities and actually understanding. Um, what they need. I think all of this, um, it would be naive to say there wasn't a large uh, economic amount of economic pressure on, on all of that. Um, but I also think it's about um, actually fundamentally having the time to understand the situation um, and then develop a, a meaningful planned approach um, towards it. And that's something that um, is difficult in the current environment. Uh, maybe where we have lost our way slightly. Yeah, I would agree. And I also think about, you know, what drives forward um, places and, you know, our economic strategies. And you can already see our economic strategies changing the terminology around growth to prosperity um, and things like well-being economy coming as part of that or, you know, community wealth building being kind of new terms. And I think that's the change. It's not about this, you know, um, model of growth 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 it's about prosperity of a place and that means you know everybody gets um you know um brought along with it so i think there is a shift um and i think economic strategies always drive planning um and planning outcomes yeah, I agree. On the one hand, I sort of just coming back to your sort of point there, Robin, about you know where, where have we all gone wrong, and uh, I think there's also a lot of good progress and practice that that we've made. But I was just trying to think about that sort of you know that economic argument, which has often been used as as a, a symbolic of growth. So when we talk about growth, it, it has in the past been framed as one of economic growth, you know, and our city is focused in principally on that. And I, I still sense there's this, you know, the old concentric circles of environmental, social and environmental sustainability. And you'd want those overlapping, ideally. I still sense that economic is, is the big thing and then social comes somewhere somewhere down the line, probably after environmental now. So I still sense we're sort of leading with that, you, you know, that sort of economic argument. And I don't think these are, 
you know, separate issues. I think they're interconnected, aren't they? You know, if we if we can create good, socially sustainable communities, they are productive. They should generate the type of prosperity, however we might we, we measure that, whether it's economic or social, that we want our sort of communities to have. So I think these are sort of two sides of the same coin, essentially. But I think, yeah, the problems seem to be getting worse. That's my point. Actually, is as much as our efforts may be, it's it's running away from us. And so, what do we need to be doing differently there? I think for me, really strong partnership working, you know, taking, you know, a place uh, led approach, you know, really strong partnership working. It's not the public sector. It's not the private sector. We have to kind of do it together. Uh, and I think we've got, I would agree with Ryan, there's some really good examples. Um, and, you know, within Glasgow, I think the canal regeneration partnership on the north of the city and some of the most deprived areas has worked really well. Um, Housing associations, um, you know, in Glasgow, you know, work really well um, with other kind of partnerships. So I think, you know, partnership for me is is key. I think the other mix to this in terms of that economic side of things is also about um, environmental justice and that impact on kind of social justice. And I'm thinking about, you know, climate change and that impacting some of the most vulnerable communities within the, the city. So there's something around um making sure our decisions about climate uh, adaptation and mitigation also help with social justice because you've got you know some of the um you know most vulnerable communities will be affected by increased flooding and i think that's a whole other topic we could talk loads about but that's another another mix um that we need to consider as well it, it does absolutely. seem to so go on go on so i was just absolutely i think that um this is something that both, both Helen and uh, Ryan have touched on, that the term social justice um, is, is branching over all these areas and that, you know, developments um, can add values in more ways than just being economically viable. And, you know, the long-term economic benefit actually of creating something that is sustainable both socially and environmentally will far outweigh the quick uh, profit that could be turned by creating something that uh, really doesn't offer um, the, the social or environmental value that we need to create um, or adapt communities um, for the future. And then you, how do we measure that, that success value, which is, is a contested point of view. There's lots of different measurements and um, look at sort of how people like the place that they live in and that's quite a subjective task and you can look at sort of numbers and how much green space you've created or 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 biodiversity net gain metrics to, to wildlife so it's quite there's quite a lot of different things that go into to creating this sort of meaning of value and success so it's quite a it's quite an interesting point of view to take actually how do we measure this has anyone got any thoughts and also how you communicate it as well yeah um yeah. how you know it's already well measuring it but then you need to communicate it back because it seems to me that the more um it, during the lockdown and the covid eras it shone a spotlight on these inequalities and my fear is um and you may share this that we as we move back into a more normalized society um that actually we forget that injustice. That should we then go backwards. Well, I mean, it's it's worth noting that it it shone a spotlight on these injustices because people were trapped in their places, 
and they had to access things locally. And then when they couldn't, or if they couldn't, um, it, it really highlighted it. Um, so I think this is is a discussion. It's, it's really uh, sort of fired the discussion around the twenty minute city um, or neighbourhood um, around being able to access quality things within a walking distance, and that's people of all ages and stages in life. So I think it, um, as you say, Robin, the lesson to learn is actually this is something we really need to be bringing forward um, as an ideology for how we plan our towns, cities, villages, and, and rural areas. I mean, I, I agree. And I think back to Seth's points about how we measure it. And I think there are loads of different ways that we can measure it. And I think there will always be loads of different ways in terms of business cases um, requiring different things. But one of the things um, Glasgow's been a big partner in is the police standard tool, which is about, you know, a wheel for engaging communities in a whole host of different themes around a place. And I think there's a real possibility about that being used to monitor places. Um, so certainly um, when I was with Architecture and Design Scotland, we did engagement online during the pandemic um, using the place standard tool um, and almost saying, what was it like before? What was it? What's it like now? What do you want it to be like after? And I think we need to have a kind of simple way of measuring place quality, because I think place quality is intrinsically linked with social justice. Yeah, I mean, building on that, Heather, I think, yeah, you know, there are some, I, I think one of the worries is that maybe we're, we're losing this sort of notion of social justice as being, you know, I, I think good places are part of that, but also about, you know, how, how do we measure um, these really deeper aspects of sort of powering communities and power imbalances and growth and, and what we're trying to address in terms of social justice. And we can do that, you know, we have frameworks for measuring things like trust and sort of yeah, as I say, reciprocity between communities and, and organisations. So, you know, to, to, to what extent do you feel, you know, you're, you're, or what, how are you engaged in various different sort of institutions or frameworks? How have you been involved in the participatory agenda? You know, what do you feel about that? How, um, and with well-being, we have numerous subjective well-being measures to, to, to sort of measure that. So we have them. I'm not sure if we brought them all together in quite the way that we that, that we should have done to, to ensure that we're evaluating this at sort of key key components of that. I think we have come on, like Heather and others have mentioned, about this place-making agenda, which has been looking more at how we create sustainable, sort of livable and inclusive places. So I think that framework is, yeah, I think the only caution I'd have is that we, you know, we, we don't lose that momentum and, you know, it doesn't just become a tokenistic sort of um, thing that, you know, we use to sort of tick boxes and we say we're delivering good and inclusive places, but we're not really looking at the ways in which different groups within cities or communities are experiencing that. And there's a danger that, are sort of worse off, become even worse off as a result of these sort of agendas that we've we, we've had going back and yeah, you know, too cynical to place making agenda. But there's been stuff like sustainable communities and other types of you know 20 minute neighbourhoods now and 15 minute cities or whatever we yeah. might want to call them. But just to ensure those you know the, the groups are, are sort of being included in that and thinking about group dif differentiation within communities and cities, not. Yeah, so, so so there's one about place, which is great, but also about how are different groups experiencing that that sort of place, and it's quite a complex one to to unpack. So, what's the obstacles to doing that then? What, what, how, we've got so far, we seem to have got the the framework, is what we're saying, but actually, it's it, it's struggling to have the impact and the effect to actually have the level of meaningful change that's needed. What what's the obstacles? I think for me, a big thing is about time, you know, in terms of resources and time. 
Uh, and I think quite often we view our interventions in a place as being one off. You know, we've gone in, we've re regenerated a place and then we leave. And actually, places don't function like that. You know, they evolve over time. Things need to be changed. And I think if we thought about um, planning and development in a more um, incremental um dynamic way that we need to actually constantly be evaluating places and, and building that in time uh, into that, I think would, would help, certainly. And also, can I just add, I think a big thing also about, you know, place quality and social justice and some of the issues that people would have around their places and, and affecting social justice is around maintenance. It's a really boring thing, but so many times it comes down to actually, do we have enough funding for maintaining the places that we have uh, and I think so more money in terms of maintenance is, is a big thing. What, what do you what do you think Seth what are, what are the obstacles from your perspective? Um, so I think collaboration is a, is a big obstacle um, and the planning system in the UK partly is built in a way in which it doesn't promote collaboration um, as effectively as it may once have done so just need to, I think, everyone working together, like we sort of talked about, to sort of facilitate this wider vision, I think is what's needed going forward. And we're getting there. We just need to actively promote that, promote that more as individuals and as a, as a, yeah, as a practice, creating, making sure these visions that we set out that we want to achieve and we actually achieve them. It's, it's, it's interesting how in, in many of these topics we've considered on these these podcasts, it often comes down to the government needs to do something or there needs to be a change in policy. But actually, what you're saying is we've got we've got a lot of this stuff. It's there's some great stuff that's going on. But Heather, you're right. It's 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 about time. And Seth, you're saying it's dedication. And, and there's also there is a resource implication there. Um, and we all have these ideologies, but actually it's also a professional responsibility of, of the whole industry. So where, where do we go from here, Ryan? What, what, what's your magic one moment here? What, what one thing would you suggest we need to do differently going from here? Yeah, I, I would like to see sort of closer development of this sort of rights to the city sort of framework that we often talk about in sort of academic circles but it's it's got i think real potential to be applied in practices you know this this rights to the city being one about you know the right to use sort of public spaces but also the right to be involved in public policy and decision making and, and just ensuring that this rights-based approach is clearly linked to delivery mechanisms so i think that you know if we're in danger of sort of referring to something that's quite soft and difficult to pin down but how do we get that rights-based framework embedded in it's developing those close relationships between the individual the community and the planner and the planner professions and, and then institutions and sectors as well. So it's thinking about this as being linked across different scales. It's the individual, the community and the city, but also across different uh, professions and, uh, and sectors as well. And realizing that everybody's got a responsibility to deliver this. I sense, as I say, that planners are often coming up against this barrier of, well, I know what I wanna do, but actually um, I'm being sort of pushed from delivery on these key performance indicators, which actually aren't about necessarily about social growth. They're, they're more about sort of numerical key performance indicators and quantitative uh, measures of, of change, which might not align very well with the social justice agenda. So make it an awareness is what you're saying in effect. Yeah, yeah, sort of greater sort of awareness about, about um, you know, social justice principles and, uh, and how we can deliver it within 
again, the policy mechanisms for it to happen, but also delivering that in practice on the ground and how do we link that, that those two together, I think is is the key. Well, Seth, what about you? What would your be your your magic wand? What one thing would you would you change in this agenda? I think it's to do with I can't quite pluck the word to my head, um, but it's to do with sort of making it visible um, and so making people aware of there are these issues and this is how we're going to tackle them as individuals companies and as as governments and everyone can do that in their own way here what what's your your magic wand your one thing you would change and i think building on everything that everyone said you know the challenges we face are um, around time money and legislation um and i think the way i'd like to see that change would be um you know in scotland we have um, local development plans which are designed to last five or ten years. You know, if you went to Copenhagen, which is an, you know, an example of a, a socially, environmentally uh, sustainable city, uh, they'd laugh at you if they said that you had a, a five to ten year plan in place to implement this. Um, so uh, I think it would be to me, I'd, I'd create targeted long-term area regeneration strategies and that also um, gives developers the confines within which they can work and be profitable and, and do good. And it also gives council the power, uh, the councils the power um, to uh, create a, a focused strategy without developers effectively haggling them to develop pieces of land that may or may not actually be sustainable in the long run. Uh, Heather, you've got the opportunity to sort of uh, have the final word on this because um, I'm conscious of time, but what, what one thing would you change? Well, I think I would probably uh, agree with Kerr. I think that, you know, if we want to tackle social justice, we have to start with the most socially deprived areas. Um, and that needs to be where we need to tackle our efforts and be that whatever sector we are, we need to all pull together um, and really tackle the, the worst off uh, areas and be realistic about the money that actually needs to make a difference in those areas. I, I feel like we've only had time to really scratch the surface on this and there's so much more because it's such a huge area um, but it's also such a um, such an important area given some of the statistics we were talking of earlier you know so the, the burden of responsibility surely should fall on the profession on the industry to to really make make a meaningful difference in all of this so um, there's so much more to discuss I'm sure but um, hopefully uh, listeners will have found it helpful um, so a, a huge thanks to our, our panel of experts today, to Heather, thank you, Seth, Ryan, Keir, huge contributions. I feel there is so much more to be done here, um, but uh, hopefully you found it interesting to listen to as well. Let us know your thoughts um, and hopefully you can join us next time as well on uh, BW Uncut. Thank you.